This edition of the Ed Surge On Air podcast is brought to you by the Barbara Bush Foundation Adult Literacy X Prize. Learn more by visiting the following website, adultliteracy.xprize.org. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another Ed Surge Extra podcast. I'm Michael Winters, and we are excited to be doing something a little bit different today. Since we started this podcast back at the beginning of the year, we've been hearing about lots of students who have also been bitten by the podcasting bug. So this week, we are proud to be able to showcase two examples of students doing interesting and fun podcast work. So let's jump in. Our first podcast comes from fifth grade teacher Shalini Rao of the Park School in Brookline, Massachusetts. Last year, Ms. Rao's class, as well as three others, worked with EdTech startup Listen Current to put together a series of student podcasts on immigration. Teams of students interviewed a member of the local community who had immigrated to the United States. The students recorded their stories, put together a podcast, and then shared those stories with the immigrants themselves. Ms. Rao told us that the reaction from the immigrants when they heard their podcasts was amazingly positive, and that the whole experience brought her and her students much closer to the local community. So, without further ado, here are Park School students Gavin, Ronan, and Evren interviewing Ugandan immigrant Jug Chowski about his family's journey from India to Uganda and then to the U.S. On Wednesday, May 13th, we had the honor to interview Mr. Shashi, and he told us about his immigration story. He started out by talking about his parents. Then my parents went over, and they were there for about 25 years. They gave up their Indian citizenship because they said, well, we're never going, I mean, they'll go back to visit, but they were going to live in Uganda for the rest of their lives. They thought of themselves as, while they were Indian, they thought of themselves as Ugandan, that this is their country, this is where they were going to be. Mr. Chachi's parents were successful, but it wouldn't last, and soon Idi Amin came into power. In the late 60s, Idi Amin came into power, and he was kind of used this uh, dictator, and he wasn't really a nice guy, so he did a lot of really bad things to people, but he wanted to get all of the non-nationals, I mean, if you weren't like a pure Ugandan, he wanted you to leave. And my parents were like, well, you know, people come and go, and politicians come and go, and, you know, we've been here for a long time, and we're certainly not going to leave. So they waited and waited and waited and waited. And then finally, it became clear because, you know, people were dying, and people were being taken to prison and all that. So then they finally said, all right, we should leave. And my mother was the one who said to my father, you can stay if you want, but I'm going and I'm taking the kids, which basically meant they all left. So we left on the last, the United Nations was helping people get out of Uganda at that time, and so we left on the last UN plane to leave Uganda. I was about five years old, when we left, five or six years old. Next, he told us about where he went and a little bit about citizenship. And then we were in Austria for a year. Austria is in Europe, it's a little small country, and we were refugees essentially, so we didn't have a home, and eventually we got citizenship here. The U.S. was taking those people, mostly Indian people who'd left. Uganda and didn't have a home. So my parents came here. I was about six and a half maybe when we came here. So now we've been here for about 45 years. We asked Mr. Chachi if he brought anything and this is how he answered. 
part of our story was that we left with nothing, right? Like they literally, they had one suitcase or something with some clothes or whatever. That's all they could take with them. And so everything else they left behind. They had a lot of jewelry that had been handed down from generation to generation to generation, so, you know, from a long time back. And they had to leave that behind. And I think, I think my mother in particular was sad about that because a lot of that represents her family and her history, and now that was all gone. And so, you know, a, a, among the things to to leave, I think that was that was for them that was the hardest thing. Me being only six, like I don't know, there was a couple of friends that I remember that, you know, obviously we left them behind and probably didn't even say goodbye. And I think that may have been the hardest thing. Then he told us about his parents and how he appreciated them. I've always, from a young age, appreciated family because my parents had to do so much to get us here and to be successful and all that. But also just to keep us alive, they had to do a lot. And so I, I have this very strong sense of family and a commitment to family. Lastly, we asked him about his perspective of immigrants. I think because I'm an, uh, and I am an immigrant, at least especially growing up, you're always somewhat of an outsider. And so you have this outsider's perspective on things, and I think that's been good because, because I think in a lot of ways there's a, a lot more sympathy for other people, whatever their situation is. And so I think that developed a little bit earlier maybe than most other kids. So this sympathy and empathy and, and sort of being kind of on the side of the underdog and, you know, and, and so I think that, that that definitely, I think, was shaped by my experience. Our second and final student podcast comes from the Oxon Hill High School in Oxon Hill, Maryland, about 30 minutes south of Washington, D.C. Morgan Vinzant is the TV production instructor at Oxen Hill, and she contacted us to share some of the podcast work that her production students have been doing this year. But Miss Vinzant had a surprise for us. She proposed that her students make a custom show especially for our Ed Surge listeners. That was an offer we couldn't pass up. So we asked her students to debate whether their teachers should be using technology more or less in school. The result was not only informative about how students think about technology in the classroom, but also pretty entertaining. Watch out. Uh, warning you right now, this debate is going to get heated. All right, here we go. This is 3G1P, where three girls unveil the truths on life. I'm Monet. I'm Diamond. I'm Elizabeth. In this episode, we're discussing technology in the classrooms. Welcome to episode number two, Technology, Good or Evil. Dun, dun, dun. Oxen Hill High School presents a student podcast. We are going to be doing an argument, well, a debate rather, on is technology, should it be used more in school or should it be used less? 
Monet will be for the argument. So she's saying that technology should be used more in school. Yes, Elizabeth is going to be against saying that technology should not be used more. But this is how everything's going to go. We'll have 90 seconds for Monet to start. And after her 90 seconds, Elizabeth will take 30 seconds to give her counter argument. Then we would do vice versa where Elizabeth has 90 seconds for her argument. And Monet will have 30 seconds to counter Elizabeth. And then both teams, both sides, will get um, their closing remarks for how long? 30 seconds. So let's start. So I feel as if technology should be used more for the fact that we're all in this new generation of things of recycling and less paper. You know, our school is supposed to be a paperless school, but yet we still have teachers who gives us packets with about 10 pages onto them. So the use of technology, which I enjoy very much, makes it easier for us to do work, especially over the breaks or say snow days or if anything goes down at the school and we're not able to be there, a teacher can always communicate with you over the internet. Also, things like Khan Academy and Google Classroom help to build your um, your understanding on certain things. I personally use Khan Academy a lot and it's a great resource to use. You have certain websites online that holds online books that actually lets you take notes and highlight things. So that also makes it easier for you instead of using the big bulky textbooks. And also, also, a lot of people don't have good handwriting. I am one of those people. So typing things up makes it easier for me to turn in to my teacher instead of them giving it back saying, I don't know what this says. I can't grade it. So yeah, that's my argument. Elizabeth? Great. So Go. you we're talking about resources, right? Ever heard of a library? Ever stepped foot in a library? Hmm? Yes. Have you? Oh, yes. wasn't it a great experience? I hate the library. You hate the library? <laughs> this is, see, this is what, what technology is doing. It's, it's killing the brain cells in true children Ten. and making them rely on technology when you could go to the, to the library wow. and gain a social experience and read a book and highlight it using an actual Time's highlighter. Up. Not, a, not an app. Round one was good. <laughs> Round two. Elizabeth will start us off with her 90-second argument. Monet, you will counter. Gotcha. Hello, people of the universe. I'm here to discuss why technology should not be used in school. One, uh, technology, you know, it's cool. It's making things easier. But we're, we're, we're being dependent on it. So what happens if there's a techno technological surge, right? It's a surge and everything blacks out. What, what are we going to do? Nobody knows how to read anymore. Nobody knows what a library is. Nobody steps foot in the library because they hate libraries. Because, because apps have made, have made things too easy. No. This, this is not what we do. We, we step back. We take, a, we take a step back. We reminisce on the good old-fashioned days when we went into the library and got books and read them and turned them in before it was due because, you know, Expenses had to be paid if they were late. But now, you know, Kindles and all that other stuff. Relating to the school, the Chromebooks have made cheating a very, very, very like, possible necessity. I, you can look up the answers to anything on the internet. What's, what's, the, what's the good about that? And then when you take tests, can you look up the answers then? No. That's why tests are still on paper. 15 seconds. You don't, you can't, you can't 
get the answers on a test. You're going to fail the test Ten. because you don't know what you're doing because you're not studying like you're supposed to. Okay, so who needs to go to the library worry about late library books and all that? It's like when you got an e-reader and you can use those in the daytime at the nighttime oh my God, as but well. You got no, it from Okay, secondly, 15. not only do, yes, some people do cheat on their work because of, you know, the internet and stuff, but you can also use that to help you on your tests because some tests are given online. So, therefore, the internet is the greatest thing that has been, been invented. Now, both sides will be giving their closing remarks. Each side has 30 seconds to basically sum up why their side should win. Should win. With that being said, Elizabeth's going first because Monet went first the first the last time. So, Elizabeth, you may begin. Why worry about batteries powering up your little stupid tablets and stuff when you could just read a book? No batteries needed you know things like that why why waste your time cheating when you could just study from an actual book that won't die paper equals life technology equals death technology is the life that we live now okay today is the day of the new generation kids grow up with tablets now so why read a book when it's already online? And it's free. It's free sometimes. <laughs> yeah, sometimes. So, mm. that... Now you, we mm. should ask you how you feel about it because uh, you are part of 3G, 1PA. And it, do, it just feels weird to have us two talking about it like you're not a part of it. So, um, Diamond, how do you feel about technology in school? Well, on the one hand, Monet has a point where she says technology is the new generation. And that's what we do, you know? The new generation is used to technology and whatnot. But in every sci-fi movie, robots turn against us. But on the <laughs> other hand, Elizabeth has a point where she says books, we still need the books. We still need to go to the library, you know, get that experience. So with that, we'll leave the decision up to you. Who won this debate? Would it be Monet you know, saying that technology is, is the greatest good thing ever for <laughs> classrooms? Or Elizabeth saying that technology is not as great? We are 3G1P. And yeah, have a great life. Have a great life in this new world of technology. Thanks to all six of the students who worked on these podcasts today. And thanks to Ms. Rao and Ms. Vincent for getting in touch and allowing us to share these wonderful examples of student work. Thanks also to our friend Monica Brady-Myrov of Listen Current, who put us in touch with Shalini and several other podcasters. You can check out their website at listencurrent.com. Okay, that's it for this week. 
Thanks for listening. I'm Michael Winters. And if you're hearing this in the U.S., on behalf of everyone at EdSurge, I wish you a happy Thanksgiving.